Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Josh Pate, the host of Late Kick Live, found on its YouTube channel. New shows three times a week. There's a podcast as well, at Lake, Late Kick Josh on Twitter as well. Josh, it is Andrew. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, brother. I got Thanksgiving and Rivalry Week all wrapped up into one plate, so I couldn't ask for more. How are yeah, you doing? I'm doing really well. It is certainly a very, very good time in the college football world. But i, I got to say this first before we get into all of that stuff. Uh, I believe this is your first time on the show, so you're new to all of us. Bill will be here eventually the next time you're on, and he probably is not going to to like you being nice to producer Tom. He told me that you were very complimentary of his producing work, um, and Bill's not going to stand for that. So as Tom does a good job, don't tell Bill that he's doing a good job. Well, it's a it's a tough spot for me to be in because I'm used to routinely dunking on my producer to the point where I don't even I don't even allow his face to be seen on air. So when I oh. when I come across another producer. I feel like I have an abundance of goodness built up in me that I have to bestow upon someone, right. but I do apologize. It'll never happen again. Well, let me take notes here for Bill. So ban face from show. I don't know that Bill knew that was possible, but I will I will let him know that he could do that to Tom if he wants. And it's easier in radio. I mean, I'm in the visual <laughs> medium, so imagine how hard it is for me to just tell producer Jesse, that's his first and last legal name now, by the way, mm-hmm. to uh, just, hey, part of the condition is you're never to be seen in public. All right, get to work. Um, well, tell producer Jesse he at least has this win uh, because Bill calls Tom pretty daddy. Uh, and I don't remember why, but that's what he calls him. And he's also made Tom make that his Twitter handle. So producer Jesse might be wow. invisible, but at least he still has kind of his real name. Wow. See, our studio is one block from Broadway here in downtown Nashville. So you yell pretty daddy too loud down here, and you've got a bachelorette situation on your hands that no one really wants yeah yeah i know it's tough it's tough it's a tough life for tom but he signed up for it so there's really no sympathy for him uh well prayers for tom yeah i guess and and prayers for us yes uh let's get to college football let's get to the new cfp rankings who is your top four at the moment forget the committee who does josh have one through four man um i so i've got michigan up there got georgia up there got ohio state up there I would have uh, Oregon up there. Now, that, look, that doesn't go committee criteria because obviously you can't put Oregon in over Washington right now with the head-to-head. I, I always struggle until I've seen conference championship Saturday 
to separate, in my mind, a more power-ranking approach versus merit-based approach. And in power-ranking world, for example, I mean, even Alabama would be a top-four team right now. You can't put Bama in the playoff at the moment, though. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. The big story in college football, as it turns out this whole year, has been the absence of the major upset week. Volcanic Saturday, as I call it, just hasn't happened. And I'm a believer that volcano is just dormant. I don't think it's extinct. And anyone who understands geology knows that there's a key distinction there. And I think that when we least suspect it, we still could have a couple of twists and turns in the road that make that selection Sunday process not quite as muddy as it seems it is now. But if we don't get that, if this chalk holds, that committee will be in a position they've never been in before. The closest they've come is choosing between like a non-conference champ Alabama, do they get in or not? Or back in 2014, Uh, The Big 12 decided to split their conference championship inexplicably between Baylor and TCU. And so the committee said, oh, okay, well, we're just going to put Ohio State in. And then Ohio State won the title. But outside of that, it's been pretty paint-by-numbers for them. And this year could be anything but. So do you want that upset Saturday? Or do you kind of want to get none of that so we have the committee making an unprecedented decision? I need it like I need oxygen. I need the upset Saturday. <laughs> okay. I long for it. I wait for it. I chew my fingernails to the nubs anticipating it, and it hasn't happened yet. And by the way, that doesn't mean there's any like one given team I'm rooting against. I just want things to shake out where I get the best teams at the end of the year because if they don't shake out, I am not the kind of person who's going to say, well, Alabama would be favored against Florida State, so they should get in. You can't do that stuff. That's not sports. That is not merit-based competition, even if your quarterback's out. That's just not the way it should work. So as much as I value the power rating approach and understanding who I think the better teams are and who I think would win, we don't play games on paper. My opinion is not what should run the day in college football. And so to circumvent that, I would just like some upsets to happen so I don't have to worry about a team I think is one of the top four being left out. Now, that's selfish, but that's the way I look at it. Now, do you think we got to today without all those upsets because these four or five teams are that good? Or literally were you just waiting for the universe to spin back and pay its attention to college football and mess a few things up? I don't know because the thing about that is it could be that that's the case. I don't think it's the case. I don't think four elite teams have formed. Look, if Washington was an elite team – they wouldn't have won their last seven games by 10 points or less. It's just that they've won the games. If Texas was an elite team, they wouldn't be struggling to put away the Houstons and Kansas States and the Iowa States of the world. They'd be blowing them out. So they're not elite teams. They're really good teams. And it's just that it's been that kind of year. I've also got in my world, in the college football world, I got people trying to make these broad-based assumptions about how the transfer portal and NIL has leveled out the sport. You have no clue <laughs> over a one-year sample size, if that's the case or not. It could just be that Ohio State and Alabama don't have elite quarterbacks this year, which they don't, by the way. If I put Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud on these teams, I think we'd have a runaway number one and number two in the country, and then Georgia and Michigan would be the other two, and we'd be looking at it saying, oh, same old, same old. So I don't think NIL or the portal has really shaved off the top of the canopy, so to speak. I just think it's happened the way it's happened, and it's, it's coin flip any given week. Do you see, are you predicting, so to speak, where these upsets might pop up this weekend or next weekend? Well, see, I do this thing, and it, it's very political of me, 
but I'm not running next year. So let me put that to bed. But I do this <laughs> thing where I'll hint at it on the Thursday show. Therefore, if it happens, you know, you do have the ability to pull the clip and say, hey, hey, look, I was all over it. But like you got to be careful and you don't just go over the cliff and predict the upset. That way you don't look like a fool and get tagged in freezing cold takes. So there's a fine fence riding balance you have to strike. As I said, it is very political and I don't even deny it. My dad hits me up all the time and tells me how pathetic it is, but I don't even deny it. But <laughs> I did think Iowa State had a good shot against Texas. Uh, I did think Oregon State. Oregon State was favored. I was up right. that game last weekend. They were favored against Washington. It's just that teams who are better have made one or two more plays, and logic tells you that's the way it should always work out. But this is an illogical sport. That's why the logical outcome seems so illogical. I know that sounds like fortune cookie, but that's that's really what this year's been. So let me ask you, and this is by the way, Josh Pate of Late Kick Live at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. If Florida State wins these next two games without Jordan Travis, but struggles offensively to win those two games, what do we do with the Knowles? Hottest debate in our sport right now. My answer is you put him in the playoff. I don't care what I think, nor do I care what the committee thinks about how good they are. Um, I am the first person, if they struggle to get past Florida and Louisville, but they do it, I'm going to be the first person to tell you, I think Michigan or Bama or Georgia or Ohio State will boat race them by double digits. I would pick all those teams against Florida State now, by the way, even with Jordan Travis. So certainly I think they'd boat race them without him, just like I thought it about TCU last year. But that doesn't change the fact that by the playoffs' own criteria, they have earned the right to be in the game. We cannot get into this world where we just get to the end and we say, oh, screw it. Let's just put the teams we think are the best ones in there. That's, that's video game stuff. I mean, that's like pulling up in a drive-thru and ordering off a menu. This thing, contrary to popular belief, is not built to satisfy you. It's built to put the best teams in there. And by best, I don't mean who would be favored on a neutral field. I mean best according to the deserved criteria and the merit-based criteria that are listed. And, you know, last year, I disagreed with Nick Saban when he said, well, you know, we'd be favored over TCU. Well, that doesn't matter. You, you were favored over the two teams that beat you in the regular season. That's why they play the games, to quote Herm Edwards. And so I, I look at it, and I, don't, I take my own opinion and put it to the side for the sake of merit. So if I put my own opinion to the side, I certainly don't care what that committee thinks. And I'm not interested in a committee full of people telling me they think they know the value of a football player, Jordan Travis or not. Because I watched the very first iteration of this thing, the very first playoff we had. We watched a third-string quarterback lead a team to a national title. So since that day, I've not really cared about how we think we know the value of a player. I want it to play out on the field. And you have no problem with FSU being ahead of Washington on the list before Jordan Travis's injury? Um, I would have had Washington ahead of him, that, but that's, you know, that's splitting hairs, I guess. I would have had Washington ahead of him. I can't say that I lit up a torch and grabbed a pitchfork when it was the other way around, though. So I, I could have gone either way on that. But like the, to me, that's the only argument like anti-Jordan Travis, I guess. If you thought Washington should be ahead of them already, that's the only way to push back on the Travis injury. But if you liked FSU ahead of Washington to begin with, then you can't kind of back away from them now, if that makes sense. Right. And to be clear, what I'm saying is I think – absent that like I think there is other dust that will clear that would give 
Florida State a place in the playoff regardless of whether a Washington's there or not. Right. Uh, let's get to Michigan, Ohio State. At least, upset or not, we're going to have one of these top four teams lose this weekend to open up some kind of movement. Is Jim Harbaugh's absence going to be one of the reasons Michigan loses if they lose? No, I don't think so. I think it'll be a very big storyline that hangs over the game. Um, I think this is a player-led team. I was I was up there for the Penn State game a couple of weeks ago, and I had one of one of the Michigan folks tell me, and they're right, they said, you know why our culture is so strong? You know why we can prove our culture is so strong? Because our leader is having to take his hands off the wheel and watch how straight the car continues to go. And sure enough, it did. You couldn't tell Harbaugh wasn't there if you didn't already know it. And if he had a freshman and sophomore-laden team, maybe it would be different. But he's got a bunch of guys who have been there, been through the wars, and at, at this point in the season, that's a hallmark of eventual playoff teams. Every one of them ends up being player-led. And the coaches are just there to, you know, kind of push it to the left and push it to the right when needed. But largely, those players are running things. But having said that, they could get beat by Ohio State because Ohio State's the better team. Right. We don't know that. I mean, we have not seen them play enough a gauntlet on either side of the rivalry this year to have been tested thoroughly. And so... I mean, I'm listening to Ryan Day talk. I've been around that program a lot this year, too. I think since last year, they've overhauled a considerable, a considerable amount defensively, but also philosophically in their program, where I think they're a lot more uniquely built to match the physicality in this game than they have been the last two years. And I also look at Penn State game with Michigan and how they struggled to throw the ball. But at that time, I thought, well, they didn't need to. Uh, and then they struggled to do it again last week against Maryland, and I thought maybe that's a legitimate problem for them. Well, if it is, Ohio State will shut you down. Ohio State is one of the best defensive teams in the country this year. But just think about this. For people who are sort of on the periphery, you're just a casual college football fan, you watch the big games, I want you to think about this Saturday. You've had Michigan supplanted in your mind or planted in your mind as a top-two team all year, and you've just penciled them into the playoff all year. If they lose, if one four-quarter game they lose Saturday, they're out of the playoff. They're out of the Big Ten. All their goals are gone. And conversely, over the course of 60 minutes, if Ohio State loses, that's three straight losses for Ryan Day, and this time he loses to a backup coach. You would have the world completely turned on its ear one way or another. And one of those scenarios will play out Saturday. So it will be a mushroom cloud over one of those programs Saturday, and it's guaranteed to happen. So if you don't have rooting interest and you just enjoy – chaos and, and you and if, especially if you enjoy toxicity this is the game for you do you think ryan day is in danger of losing his job if he loses this game if he is ohio state doesn't deserve to have him because if his job is on the line in this game then it's ludicrous and so i i can't answer that definitively i think it's crazy like my answer is it should not be a question but I also know what the standard is there, and I know how important this game is to those folks, and I know how how quickly logic flies out the window when you lose to Michigan, especially for a third straight time, which they have not done this millennium, I don't think. One last question on the coaching front. What did we learn about Lincoln Riley this year at USC? They don't have a strong enough culture. they got a weak culture. Um, I was talking to one of the defensive coordinators, ironically, they're targeting now. And I was talking to him a few months ago, and uh, we were talking about USC. And at the time, we were talking about Alex Grinch, the recently fired D.C. out there. And he said, you know, everyone's hard on Grinch, but it ain't on him. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, do you think I'm good? 
and this guy's one of the best in the country. I said, yeah, I think you're good. He said, well, I wouldn't work out there in that culture because it's like, it's like planting seeds in rocky soil. Nothing's going to grow because the culture of the program is not conducive to being good defensively. And he laid it out, man. He talked about everything from practice habits to strength and conditioning to the overall mental approach that is infused in the team and program by the head coach himself. And he said, I'm not saying they can't ever be good defensively, but a lot has to change well beyond just the name on the defensive coordinator's office before they're good defensively. And that, while everyone else is focused on who they hire, that's the key to me. What other changes are going to happen with that program? Because if if nothing else changes – and they just think it's plug-and-play, let's get a new D.C., and we're off to the races, you aren't going to be off to anything other than more mediocrity. Well, that's fascinating. And so is that because Lincoln doesn't know how to, like, how to handle defense? He's ignoring defense? Like, what's the specific reason for that being reality there? It's, it's even more so than that. I think it's more overarching than that. Okay. I think the overall mentality of the program has to be such that it is conducive to being tough enough, being physical enough. They can't tackle, man. Like, they cannot get guys to the ground. It's the most fundamental of problems. They are not physical enough. They don't prioritize those elements. They're just of the mentality that we're going to go outscore you. And, you know, if we hang 40 and it's not enough, oh, well, we'll try it again next week. That, that is – look, you can, you're allowed to practice the same way at USC that you are at Georgia. When's the last time you saw a Kirby Smart team struggle to tackle – or, or when's the last time you saw guys just running free all day in the, in the Georgia secondary? They can talk about how the NCAA limits what they can do in practice all they want to. That's BS. Because Alabama and Georgia get to practice the same way you do, and they don't seem to have a problem hitting folks in the mouth. Now, they, can, they may get flagged for it a little bit more these days, but they also tackle. And USC can't even do things like tackle. And I'm, I'm not a believer that that's just on the defensive coordinator. Josh, other than being nice to Tom, this was great. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy all the games. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I appreciate it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 